0: I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in Matthew chapter 6 as we continue our journey through the Lord's Prayer together as we go verse by verse really unpacking, trying to understand what's going on in the text as Jesus is teaching us how to pray. We said early on that that was the question that His disciples asked Him to teach them. It wasn't to teach them how to perform miracles. It wasn't to teach them how to walk on water. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to commune with our Heavenly Father in the way that we have seen you commune with your Heavenly Father. And so this morning, we're going to focus in on Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, the plea of prayer. Now, you know I grew up in South Georgia, also known as God's country. We love living in Florida, I promise we do. But there's something for me growing up, no meal was complete unless we had bread. Anybody else grow up that way? It didn't matter what kind of bread it was, it could be a biscuit, It could be a Sister Schubert roll. It could be a cornbread muffin. It could be on a wonderful day my grandmother's lace cornbread. Fried, thin, crispy edges. Y'all are hungry, aren't you? But the bread. You had to have bread for it to actually be called a meal. Now, I know today we don't do that. Bread's bad. (laughs) Right? I mean, some of you, let's be honest, some of you order a hamburger and you say, give me the lettuce bun. We don't do that in my house. We eat a real hamburger, right? It's got bread on both sides of it, cheese in the middle, bacon, mustard, anyway. You know, it's interesting that for us, we don't necessarily think a whole lot about bread, but what we take note of within Scripture is that bread plays a prominent role. It's a prominent theme throughout the Old Testament and then in the New Testament. And as we look at verse 11 this morning, this simple phrase that Jesus says as part of a prayer to the Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We may look at that and just kind of think, well, that makes sense. I mean, we need our daily necessities met, but I want you to know this morning that there is so much more to this verse than may meet the eye at the outset. Some of you may be looking and thinking, give us this day our daily bread. How, pastor, are you going to come up with 30 minutes on that? Welcome to church, right? want us to read this morning the full text beginning in Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 going down through verse 15. This has been our text for the last number of weeks and will be for the next couple of weeks moving forward as we continue to work our way through verse by verse this prayer. But this is what Jesus says to his disciples, to the crowd about the issue of prayer. Matthew chapter 6 verse 5. And when you pray... Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And You would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As we've been journeying through this text over the last number of weeks together, we looked the very first week at the posture of prayer. How should we approach God in prayer and how should we not approach God in prayer? And we looked at verses five through eight and Jesus highlights there two groups of people. One, the religious leaders of the day who thought they knew God and truly did not. And they would pray in the synagogues, it says, or on the street corners. They thought that prayer was a performance. They wanted other people to look at them, and yet Jesus says prayer is about private communion with our Heavenly Father. And then the other group that Jesus highlights is the pagans, those who thought that God was primarily interested in religious ritual, that He was primarily looking for some type of formula, that if I could get the words right, if I could put the right stamp on the prayer, then it would get to God and God would hear me, and Jesus dispels that notion altogether. And says that God knows what we need before we even come to Him and ask Him. That is the God that we serve. And then the second week, we looked at the privilege of prayer. Verse 9, where Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we looked at that verse and we unpacked that together and we said it is an incredible privilege for us to be able to approach God both as our heavenly father on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf, but to know that we are approaching the very God of the universe who spoke creation into existence. When we come to God in prayer, we do it on the basis of relationship, but we do it recognizing the reality of who he is. And then we looked last week at the purpose of prayer, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That the purpose of prayer is not trying to get God to do what we want him to do. That the purpose of prayer ultimately is us aligning ourselves with what God is already doing. We don't have to twist God's arm to see Him work. And He's not a cosmic vending machine that we press the right buttons and He gives us what we want. In fact, God is at work and in prayer, we are enabled to come to Him and to align ourselves with what He is doing. God, work and allow me to be a part of that. Prayer is ultimately us aligning with what God desires to do. And then this week, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Very simple. And yet, when we look at that phrase, there is so much more there than meets the eye. And the only way this morning that we will begin to grasp the depths of what Jesus is saying here is to take a bit of a journey, to begin at the beginning. To go back into the Old Testament, simply to press rewind in the text this morning and to walk back through and to look and to see the prominence that, that bread plays in both God's people's lives and then ultimately in Jesus' ministry here on the earth. And so what I want us to do before we dive in and really pick this apart is I want us to have that context. I want us to have that picture, that understanding of what bread looks like throughout Scripture so that when we come to this and we look at it and we think, how could we have much more than God meet our needs? We begin to see the depths and the beauty of what Jesus is saying in this phrase. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, we first encounter bread when we look back in the Old Testament at a very pivotal moment in God's people's lives. In fact, if you go back to the book of Exodus, what you find is that God's people ultimately were in slavery in Egypt, and God had sent Moses and said to Moses, you're going to lead my people out. I'm going to provide the means whereby this people is going to be led out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. And as part of that, we see Moses interacting with Pharaoh. We see plagues take place in the early parts of the book of Exodus. God demonstrating his power and his control over creation. But then ultimately, it ends in one final plague. When God sends the death angel over the land. And God's promise is that every single firstborn child would die unless the exception if the blood of the lamb is painted on the doorposts and at that point in time Moses told his people here's what you need to do you need to take a lamb and you need to sacrifice that lamb you need to paint on the doorpost of your house the blood of the lamb that will be the only means of salvation for your children. And as part of that, they were to celebrate God's provision and ultimately God passing over those homes that had the blood painted on the doorpost. They were to celebrate that with a meal. And that meal, a part of that, was unleavened bread. Unleavened bread because didn't have a whole lot of time to fix it. They were preparing to leave under God's providence out of Egypt into the promised land. But that bread would be part of that meal, that significant moment where they were able to see God's power on display and God's preservation of his people on display. And God does exactly what he promised. And as part of that, God's children are led out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land. And that Passover meal where that bread was eaten was something that he told his people to do from that point forward, to remind themselves of God's hand of deliverance through the blood of a lamb that was slain. And then as we look forward, we're reminded of God providing for his people during their time in the wilderness. In fact, as his children are led out of Egypt into the promised land on the journey, they disobeyed God. And God said, that's fine. Stay here for about 40 years. You're going to experience what it means to live in the desert and have to depend totally on me. And it's not long after that, that his people look and they say, we would rather go back to Egypt we'd rather go back into slavery. We have plenty of food there in Egypt. And the Lord says to his people, I will provide what you need. I will provide food for you. And the Lord promises to do that every single day. Every single day, he says to his people, you're going to walk out of your tents and you're going to look around and there's going to be a bread-like substance on the ground and that is going to be your food. And you're to gather enough for that day. And you're to eat it. And then some of them decided, if there's food, we're going to hoard it, right? How many of you have done that. And you don't throw leftovers away. You stick them in the refrigerator till they mold and then you throw them away, right? <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. They weren't sure that God was going to provide day in and day out, so they gathered more than enough. They got up the next day and it was rotten. And the Lord showed them, I'll provide what you need day after day after day after day. For 40 years, the Lord provides manna to his people so that they are able to eat. And then as you look throughout the Old Testament, you're also reminded of the bread of the presence that was set out within the tabernacle initially and then ultimately in the temple. It was a symbol, a reminder for God's people that one day, The Messiah would come. One day, God's people would experience the fullness of salvation, not in a lamb that's an animal, but ultimately in the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. And then we look as we move into the New Testament. And we see Jesus and His ministry. It's fascinating to me when you look throughout Jesus' ministry how vital bread is in His teaching. You look and see throughout Jesus' life and ministry, bread seems to, to pop up all the time. We see it first off in Matthew chapter 4 in Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. As He's fasted, as He is sought The Lord, prior to his ministry beginning here on the earth, we see Satan comes to tempt him. And one of the temptations that Satan lodges towards Jesus is, he says, look, I know that you're hungry. And I want you to look around. There's stones here. And I know that you have the power to turn them into bread. Hey, do that. Fill that hunger that's deep within. Jesus says to Satan in that moment, being tempted by him, Jesus being tempted just like we are tempted and yet never sinning, he says to Satan, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then we see Jesus In John chapter 6, feed 5,000 plus people with a little boy's lunch of loaves and fishes. A happy meal for the day. And Jesus takes that and he breaks the bread and he breaks the fish and he passes it out through his disciples to the people and feeds them so that there's food that is left over. And it's interesting on the back end of that, in John chapter 6, that we see Jesus being looked at by the crowd primarily as the guy who will feed us. Jesus does that, he leaves, and the crowds are like, I'm up for a free lunch, let me go find that guy. So they go to find Jesus. and pretty much look at him and say, you want to do that again? I'm hungry. I want you to, if you have the opportunity to turn with me to John chapter 6, I want you to notice, beginning in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. I fed you, it's the only reason you want to come after me. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you for on him God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work Do you perform? Listen to what the crowd said. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to Me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in Me shall never thirst." And then as we look at Jesus, not long before He goes to the cross, meets with His disciples, shares a last meal with them on the Passover, and He takes bread and He breaks the bread and he says to them, this bread represents my body that will soon be broken for you. And he takes the cup and he says, this represents my blood that will soon be shed for you. Jesus is the bread of life. The only one who is able to save us from our sin. The only one who is capable to do what we could not do. With that as the context, consider verse 11. Give us this day our daily breath. If you're taking notes this morning. You can write down this main idea that will frame our time together just for the next few moments that we have. It's this truth. Prayer provides us the opportunity to declare our complete dependence on God. Jesus here teaching his disciples how to pray, teaching us how to pray, begins the prayer focusing totally on who God is and what he's done. I said that last week, the first two verses, verse 9 and verse 10, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, all focused on the reality of who God is and what he's done and what he is going to do. And then we come to verse 11 and we think, okay, now it gets to be about me. Now I get to ask God to give me what I want. But I want you to notice that Jesus says, give us this day our daily breath. I want you to notice the first truth that we see in this verse today. We are desperately Needy people. Jesus, in teaching us how to pray in this way, is helping us come to the realization, the grasp, the understanding that we are a desperately needy people. You ever met a needy person? You don't want to hang around them, do you? Like, I'm not interested in needy people, right? And I want you to know that every single one of us is desperately needy. We are desperately needy all the time. In fact, if you've ever had young children at home, you know what that's like. Babies are very needy. That's why some of you parents coming in this morning, I mean, you need toothpicks to hold your eyes open, right? You're like, I experienced that last night. They're desperately needy. They cry. You have to feed them. My wife asked me one time, she was like, what's your favorite stage of life? I said, I wish our kids could be born at two. <laughs> I will take the terrible twos any day of the week than the babies that need everything. Like they can't do a thing. They can't change themselves. They can't even talk to tell you they're hungry or they're mad or desperately needy. But I want you to see this morning that you and I are the same way. You and I in relation to God are the exact same as a baby in relation to us. We are desperately needy people. In fact, we are needy physically. Now, we don't think about it in terms of this. None of you probably woke up this morning wondering, what can I eat this morning? Most of us have, at least if we've been to Costco last week, a full pantry. Our refrigerators are pretty full. We've got food there that's waiting for us. We wake up in the morning. We don't have to think a whole lot about what we're going to eat, but here's what we do need to recognize and understand. The ability to be able to work in a get that, is ultimately your dependence on the Lord. For you to be able to use your mind in such a way to work, or to be able to use your hands to work is totally our dependence on the Lord. You say, well, but hang on just a second, Pastor, I I work really hard. I'm not saying you don't work really hard, but who gave you the ability to work hard? You didn't. say, yeah, but I work out. Who gave you the muscles in your body? You didn't. When you boil it down physically, we are incredibly dependent on the Lord. We are unable to do the things that we think are just commonplace in our lives apart from God's work. And then... We move from physical to spiritual, and it is more amplified in our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you cannot live the Christian life on your own. You can't pick yourself up by your own bootstraps spiritually. You are totally dependent on the Spirit of God at work in your life to bring Christ-likeness out of you. You can't do that by yourself. And if you're here this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, you cannot fix that by yourself. You are totally dependent on what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. We are a needy people. And Jesus, in giving us this petition, give us this day, our daily bread, is trying to help us understand and recognize that we are a needy people. I mean, in a real sense, we are totally dependent on God. And then here's the second truth. This is where it gets a bit dicey for us. We're often hopelessly ignorant. Of our neediness. We are a needy people, but here's the thing a lot of times we don't even think about it. You say, Well, I, I think I do. Okay, let me ask you this question. When you went to bed last night, how many of you had a conversation with yourself that went something like this Self, throughout this night that I'm sleeping, We need to keep breathing. And we need to keep our heart pumping so that we stay alive. You didn't even think about that, did you? Didn't even cross your mind. Didn't even cross your mind that someone has to make sure that continues. Well, who is that? God. And we don't even think about it. Let me press it even further. How many of you woke up this morning and looked to figure out if the earth's distance from the sun was the same as it was the day before? Because if it's any closer to the sun, we all catch on fire and burn. And if it's any further from the sun, we all freeze to death. How many of you thought about that? How many of you thought about the fact that the earth has to sit on its axis and spin in a circle to make sure that we actually stay feet planted on the ground and we don't float up in the air. Didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. Here's the thing. Oftentimes we don't even think about how needy we are. And yet what the scripture reminds us is that God is at work every single second of every single day, making sure that all of those things do what they're supposed to do. He holds creation in the palm of His hand. He sustains it so that it continues to work in the way that it's supposed to work. And if He didn't, it would be hopeless. But I want you to notice not only is that true Physically, but it's often true spiritually in our lives as well. Where we don't think a whole lot about the work that God is doing in our lives. That we don't think a whole lot about the fact that apart from the Holy Spirit of God at work in our lives, bringing us towards Christ likeness, that we could not do that in our own power, in our own strength spiritually. We don't often think about that. We're often ignorant of what God is doing. And here's what Jesus, in saying, give us this day our daily bread, is trying to help us understand. It's physical, yes, of course, but it's also spiritual in our lives as well. We have to understand our neediness. And we have to understand that oftentimes we're not even thinking about that when we should. So then... What's the response? Well, here's the third truth. We have the option of pursuing one of two paths, self-sufficiency or God-dependency. We either pursue the path of self-sufficiency, I got this on my own, or as Jesus lays out for us here, we pursue the path of God-dependency where we recognize and understand we are totally dependent on Him. One of our daughters, and I'm not going to call her name this morning, we have, a, we have a deal in my home that if I use my kids as a sermon illustration, and I use their name, I have to pay them a dollar. So, no names, I'll let you guess. But one of our girls growing up, if we ever tried to help her do something, she would look at us and emphatically say three words, I do it. I do it. They're like, okay, let us help you a little. I mean, you, you need a little bit. Of help. No, I do it. Let me say this to us. Oftentimes, that is our response to God. Self-sufficiency. I can do this. I've got this. I can pick myself up by my own bootstraps. I can handle this on my own. Church, we live in a culture that celebrates that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't work. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do the things that you should be doing to make sure that you can eat and all that. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this. You and I have to recognize our utter dependence on God. You and I have to recognize we are desperately needy people, we oftentimes don't think about that, but we have to make the choice daily, daily to pursue God dependency in our lives, to wake up every single morning recognizing and understanding that if it weren't for God, we wouldn't have lasted through the night. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have the breath to breathe. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have the lungs that we have. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have the heart to pump the blood that we need for our bodies to sustain. If it wasn't for God, we would not have a Savior whose name is Jesus who has forgiven us of our sins and invited us into the family of God. If it wasn't for God, we would have nothing. We are. God-dependent. Jesus reminds us we need our daily bread. He reminds us He is the bread of life. I want to ask you if you'd bow your heads with me this morning as our worship team makes their way back up, I encourage you to reflect this morning on the truth of God's Word, where it has brought conviction to your heart this morning. Maybe you're here and you've never taken the step of surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. You've never taken the step of admitting that you're a sinner in need desperately of a Savior who could do what you can't do. And this morning, this morning is the day of salvation for you, where you respond by faith, believing that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. His life, death, burial, resurrection is the only way that your sins can be forgiven, that you can be brought into the family of God. And this morning, your desire is to receive that gift of salvation that he offers. It is the greatest step of God dependency that you could ever take. If you need to take that step this morning, I wanna encourage you to do that. You may be a believer here this morning you look at your life, the reality is you operate most of the time in self-sufficiency. And yet the Lord has put your heart this morning to remind you of just how dependent you really are. And This morning is an opportunity for you to declare that to him. Simply say, God, I'm dependent on you. I'm dependent on you physically. I'm dependent on you spiritually. Drive that truth down deep into my heart. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it convicts us, it exposes us, it challenges us, it comforts us you do your work this morning in the hearts and the lives of the people in this room that only you can do, that we would leave today as a God-dependent people. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing, our altar's open, our pastors are down front, if we can pray with you or talk with you, we'd love to do that. If you need to pray. The altar is open this morning. You respond as the Lord leads.